Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. I want to continue a sermon series uh, that I started, um, gosh, a few, four, five weeks ago, uh, entitled The Kingdom Around the Corner. And we've been talking about the kingdom uh, of God, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, This is, by the way, the gospel that Jesus preached when Jesus came in Matthew chapter 4. It tells us that Jesus... um, preached the gospel of the kingdom, and then I think it's verse 23, or verse 17, where it says exactly what that gospel was. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven is close by. It's within reach. You can reach out and touch it. It's just around the corner, and that is the good news. That is the good news of the gospel, not just that Jesus died and rose again from the dead, but rather that that the kingdom of heaven, the rule and the reign of God has, has come close to us. That the king has moved into our neighborhood. That his kingdom has come to earth to where we live. And he's offering us access into his kingdom. And this is really good news once you start learning about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, the atmosphere of the kingdom of God is love, joy, and peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit, the atmosphere of the kingdom of God, really the fruit of the Spirit uh, listed in Scripture, that is the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. It's an awesome place. Uh, the first week that I preached on this, I preached about how it's, it's a mighty kingdom, it's a miraculous kingdom, and it's a magnetic kingdom. And so some of you are, have seen that, 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 that mightiness of the kingdom. Uh, you, some of you have seen the miraculousness of the kingdom, but some of you just feel the, the pull, the magnetic pull of the kingdom, like just drawing you you don't even know why you came back to church after easter normally you just you just come on easter but but this time you came back after easter because something's just drawing you in pulling you toward this kingdom because that's what it is it's a magnetic kingdom it's an attractive kingdom the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of god is the most attractive place that you and i can be it's also the place that we were created for it's the place that we were made for and you're not going to fit in the kingdom of, of earth, uh, you're always going to be an odd one out in the kingdom of earth. But the kingdom of heaven is what you and I were made for. We were created for this kingdom. We were, we were created for this kind of love, the love that is filling the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. And so it's, it's, it's kind of hard to describe exactly uh, all the avenues, all the ways of talking about the kingdom. And so uh, I, I tried for three weeks. If you didn't get it, um, go back and listen to the podcast again and again and again and again. You'll start to figure it out. But, but today I want to turn a corner, right? The kingdom's around the corner. Today I want to turn a corner. And for the next three weeks, I, I, I really want to focus on life in the kingdom. Or, or, or what it means to, to operate, to live in, to walk in, in our daily lives in the kingdom of God. Um, that's what many people have been asking me. It's like, okay, I understand the kingdom is, is mighty, miraculous, and magnetic. I get it. It's awesome. But how do I enter into it? And so we've been, we've, been, we've, been, we've been talking about that a little bit. But, but really, um, today especially, I just want to do a, do a teaching. I want to teach, uh, not preach. 
Uh, the difference, you know, what's the difference between preaching and teaching? Well, it's, it's the level of spit. That's pretty much the level of teaching and preaching. Preaching's got a lot of spit involved. Teaching is just talking because we have to, we have to move slowly. In teaching, you have, to, you have to move very slowly so that you guys actually receive the information and it gets into your head, hopefully gets down into your heart. Um, today, I want to lay a foundation on something that actually I've never taught on specifically, solely. I've never taught on this subject at City Chapel. Uh, we've had City Chapel going for four years now, and um, I've, I've, I've talked uh, occasionally about this subject, but, but I've never actually just said, I'm going to take a, a Sunday to talk on this subject. And so a few months ago, I was meeting uh, with, 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 with Robert. He's one of, our, one of our elders here at City Chapel. And I said, yeah, that's right, Robert Gomez, everybody. You can take a bow if you like. You're a pretty popular guy. He's a coffee and donut guy, so he's very, very popular around, around here. Um, but uh, no, they've been with us since before the beginning uh, and just a wonderful couple. And I was talking to him about just this thing that I feel like God's leading me to speak on this. Um, but it's, but it's kind of hard. It's a tough subject to speak on because it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a word that, that many people just kind of cringe at. It's a, min, it's, a, it's a word that people just kind of, they, they don't like. And so typically I'm, I'm great. Like that, that means I ought to preach on it, right? If people are scared of it, I'd like, let, 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 let's, let's go ahead and do it. But it's also a teaching that I think has been um, abused in many ways, and I think has been taught poorly in many ways, and has been used sometimes even to manipulate people. And so I do like to shy away from that. I'm like, no, I don't want any part of that. Uh, which is why, which is probably partly why I haven't ac actually sat down and just taught on a Sunday about this subject. Now you're wondering what that subject is. Well, the subject I'm going to talk to you about today uh, is tithing. Tithing. If you are a, a note taker. Um, I say that this, this subject has, has not been taught well uh, because, you know, I've been in church all of my life. And I've, I've heard very few actual teachings on it. There's been a lot, a lot of teachings sort of around it. Um, but there's, there's one guy, his name's Robert Morris. He pastors kind of small church up in Dallas. He's a, he's, bless his heart, he's trying, to, he's trying to get something started up there. And uh, he's, uh, it's actually a large church, uh, one of the largest in the country. And he preached a sermon called um, The Principle of First Things. And he actually wrote a book about it as well, of course. And uh, it sold really well uh, to his five people that go to his church. And, and, um, but he, but he, he actually, he laid it out for me in a, in a way that I thought, man, like that's actually a really... Um, biblical way to describe tithing, to describe um, what this thing is tithing. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm going to steal his scriptures, his scriptures, right. But anyway, I'm going to steal his scriptures today that he stole from the Bible. And uh, I'm going to, I'm, 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 I'm just going to camp out on those scriptures that he taught on. And so really, if you, if you want to, if you want to read a little bit more about this, check out Robert Morris on the principle of first things. Uh, he does a great job of it, but I just want it from my perspective. I want to take kind of a, what, what, what he taught and apply it to our context and just help you understand what tithing is, why I believe in it, why I've been tithing since I was seven years old, um, why as a church even, uh, City Chapel also takes 10% of, of what comes in and we, we put it out, tithe is, ten, is 10th, uh, we put it out to the global church or to those in need, we just, we just get it out of our hands. Uh, because because the tithe is is very significant it's very significant it's very important and so so I want to share this with you, with 
Matthew, and uh, several of you are currently, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir for some of you. You're like, yep, I believe in tithing, but, but maybe you don't know why you tithe. Um, and then some of you have never tithed before, and so this is going to be new information for you, and that's fine. This isn't meant to condemn you in any way. It's just hopefully I can lay a foundation of knowledge for you to move forward uh, with this knowledge. Does that sound good? So, so, so t- today I want to talk about the principle of first things. I want to talk about uh, how when we put God first in our life, especially with regard to money, uh, but when God is in his rightful place in our life, everything else comes into alignment um, in our lives. Uh, all, all, all of the pieces of, of our lives come into alignment when we put him first. And so in order to teach on tithing, you kind of have to go back to the Old Testament because it is an Old Testament principle that was laid out in the Old Testament. And, but you're going to find that this principle is throughout Scripture. It's, it's all the way back in Genesis and it's all the way into the New Testament. This is something that, that God, it's a principle that's, that's as eternal as God is himself. All of God's principles are eternal because he's eternal. And so this is one of those principles. And uh, it's not, by the way, it's not a, a law. It's not a rule. You can go to heaven, I think, if you, if you don't tithe. It's not one of those things like, it's like, well, you know, if you don't do this, you're, you're on the chopping block. Um, but it is, it is, see, God is not a, uh, he's not a rule type of God. He's a relationship God. He's a, he's an intimacy God. And usually when people ask me the question, how do I enter into the kingdom of heaven? What they're asking is, how do I how do I enter into an intimate relationship with God? How do I increase the closeness that I have with God? Well, tithing is one of those ways to do that. Um, Jesus said in the New Testament, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, Matthew, I think it's chapter five or six, it's Sermon on the Mount. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now we would think it was different. We would think wherever your heart is, there your treasure will be. Right? That's naturally the way we think. It's like, well, I, I greatly love my kids, therefore I spend money on my kids. But Jesus said, actually, it's the other way around. Wherever you put your treasure, wherever you put your money, then your heart follows that treasure. Now, the enemy knows this, and so that's why he's trying to divert your attention, get you to spend money everywhere else, things of this earth, so that you'll put your heart in this earth, and that he'll be able to cement your feet to this earth, and you'll never be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven because you're too attached to this earth. Um, but Jesus also knows this. And so this is why he, he, he calls us, he calls us to tithing because it's a heart issue. So it's never about a bank account. It's about where your heart is. God wants your heart to be in heaven, which is why he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where, where moth and rust don't corrupt and where thieves can't break in and steal. You don't need insurance for that kind of treasure because it's secure, it's safe, it's in heaven. And so when we talk about entering into the kingdom of heaven, I want to I talk to you about tithing. But in order to do, to do that, we've got to go back to Exodus chapter 13. Um, if you have a Bible, you can open it. If you have an iPad uh, like I have here, you can, you can click on it. Or we will have it up here on the screen for you. Exodus um, 13, verse 1. God is laying out this principle for his people. Um, and this is the first time that the principle is really codified into uh, what's known as the Mosaic Law. Um, God is laying it out for them. And, and this is what he says. He says, the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male. So if you're a note taker, this is my first point. Um, there's going to be a lot of firsts today. So but this is my first point is that, is that I, I want to talk about the firstborn. 
Okay, so I really have two points, the firstborn and the first fruit. Uh, these are things that are in scripture. These are biblical terms. And this is, you know, where one of the places, one of the many places where it's, it's mentioned. God said, consecrate, that means set it apart. Consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first, there's that word again, offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me. Notice that. It says it belongs to me. It belongs to God. And it says whether it's human or animal. All right, and then if we skip down a little ways, uh, go on down to verse 12, God again picks up this idea. He says, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. And then he gives some instruction. He says, redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. Uh, Go on to verse 13. But if you do not redeem it, you have to break its neck. Now, notice what he's saying. He's saying you're going to lose it. If you don't redeem it, you're going to lose it. Uh, you have to break its neck, redeem every firstborn among your sons. And so I, I can tell already, uh, I'll get to that verse here in a little bit, but I can tell already, I'm, I'm just already getting into the Old Testament. Some of you are like checking your phone and wondering what's going on on Facebook. And, and uh, I get it because, you know, many of us feel like the Old Testament doesn't apply to us very much. Because, you know, we're not killing animals. I mean, like, we don't, we're not even farmers. Uh, well, unfortunately, I am. Uh, but uh, most of us are not farmers. Um, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have that close. We're not an agricultural society. Since the you know, Sands Industrial Revolution, um, these kinds of scriptures are, are, are strange to us. But I want to, but I, before you tune out, I want to let you know this does apply to you and to me. This, this, this is God speaking to his people, right? He's instituting, uh, he's really, he's building a nation. And so, and so if we want to know who God is and how he thinks, we, 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 we all listen to what he says and what he believes. And this is what he says. He says, I want you to consecrate the firstborn man. Uh, of, of all of your animals. But then he gives two specific animals. He talks about a lamb and he talks about a donkey. Okay, so, so a lamb is sort of the quintessential uh, clean, ceremoniously clean animal. In the Old Testament, there were certain animals that were clean and certain animals that were unclean. These were symbolic of sin and righteousness, sin and holiness, right? What is holy, what is unholy? Uh, well, the, the donkey is the quintessential unholy animal. If, any, if anybody knows donkeys, you know that's an accurate description. Uh, they are unclean. And a lamb is the quintessential clean animal. And basically what God's doing is he's laying, laying out for his people how this, this, ought, this ought to play out in everyday life. And so he says, look, the firstborn of every male of all of your animals and your kids also belong to me. And, 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 and if you have a firstborn lamb, you have to sacrifice it. You have to kill it. And, and, and that is believed to be not just for lambs, but all of the clean animals, the first one, the first one that that mama sheep has you have to kill it you have to sacrifice it and and if you have an unclean animal you can sacrifice you can break its neck right or you can redeem it by sacrificing a clean animal does that make sense so you have you have clean animals they have to be the first one has to be sacrificed Uh, then you have unclean animals the first one can be sacrificed or can be redeemed by the death of a clean animal well 1,500 years after this was written, uh, Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus is called the Lamb of God. Jesus is also called the firstborn among many brethren. 
And Jesus, so, so if you're wondering how this passage applies to you and me, let me ask you a question. Do you think you were born clean or unclean? Were you born, uh, that's, that, that, that's right. Congratulations, you, you, got, you got it right. You, were, you and I were born unclean. We got a bunch of donkeys up in here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we were all born unclean. The Bible says that in sin we were brought forth and in iniquity we were conceived. So we were born unclean. Well, well do you think Jesus was born clean or, or unclean? He was born clean because he takes after his father, who is God. We take after our father, who is Adam, right? And so, so we were born unclean. He was born clean. And 1,500 years after this passage was written, the clean lamb of God was sacrificed in order to redeem a whole bunch of unclean donkeys like you and me. The blood of the unclean has power to redeem the life. The blood of the clean has power to redeem the life of the unclean. The lamb has power to redeem the donkey. And so that's, that's why, man, the Old Testament is fascinating to me because in every page we see Jesus. He's, prophet, he's prophesied about. He's, he's foreshadowed. In every page of the Old Testament, you see Christ. And so this has a lot. This is very applicable to you and me um, because we're, there's a whole bunch of donkeys in this room that are thankful for the Lamb of God. Am I right? Is anybody thankful for the Lamb of God? Okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad, glad, we're, glad we're all agree on that point. Because, and, it, and so you have this, 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 this principle laid out by God, but, it, but it's really about the first things. He says, so in many ways, and this is something that Robert says, Robert Morris, which I think is, first struck me as weird, that Jesus is almost like God's tithe. That Jesus is almost like God's tithe. That God gave his first he gave his best. Uh, Papa Tenney said it like this one time. I was in a meeting with him, and he said, he said, God had a son, but he wanted a family. So he gave his son. He sowed his son. Jesus even said he was a seed. He said, look, if a seed stays out of the ground, then it dies alone. But if it's buried, speaking of his burial and resurrection, if it's buried, it'll produce fruit. He sowed, God sowed his son into the world to reap a family. And so in so many ways, Jesus is like, Jesus is an example of what it is to give, to sow, to tithe. God sowed Jesus. Now, now, now when God tithed Jesus, when God gave Jesus, it was the riskiest thing God had ever done. Because he had no guarantees that we would turn to him. In fact, while we were yet sinners, scripture says Christ died for the ungodly, not the godly. So he, 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 he gave his son. And when he gave his son, he was basically saying, I'm doing this with the, with the belief that if he is lifted up, that he will draw all men to himself. He, he did it saying that, okay, if, 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 Jesus lives the perfect life if he dies the sinner's death and if he is risen from the dead the power of this first son will bring many other sons to glory that's what scripture says and that's the principle of the first that that when we when we bring our tithe to him first when we bring the first of our increase as scripture says when we bring the first then that whatever you do first has power and influence over what you do next this is why adam the first man had so much power over all of the human race 
because what he did first had power over what we did next. And this is why in the new birth, Jesus has so much power over our lives and our existence because what he did first has power over what we do next. What you do first has power over what comes next. But it takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of trust, just like God had to have a lot of faith, honestly, to trust that, wow, I give my son and will these people turn to me? Will these people uh, uh, put their faith in him? Will, will, they, will, will they follow me? Well, well it's, it's, it's a risk. And that's why, God, that's why God always asks for the first, because it requires faith and trust in his goodness and his ability to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. That's why when the people of Israel went into the promised land, uh, the first battle, the first, was a, was a little place called Jericho. And when they defeated Jericho, God said, I want you to give all of the silver and all of the gold, all the proceeds of the first battle, I want you to give it to me. Now, he didn't say that about the other battles. It wasn't battle number seven or battle number eight. No, it was the first one. Why? Because, because the, the, what you do first has power to influence everything else after it. And when, when the people of Israel, there was one family who held back some of that, that, the Jericho gold and silver. And when they held back, well, what happened? They went into their next battle and they lost. Because, because now, they, now God wasn't able to bless the rest because he didn't have the first. Now Israel had to be their own provider. Now Israel had to be their own defender. Now Israel had to be their own fighter. And many times what happens is when we don't put God first in any area of our life, I'm talking about finance, I'm talking about relationships. It, whenever you take the, 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 the driver's seat of your life, you might, you might be sitting in the driver's seat asking for his directions, right? The GPS Jesus. Would you just, just tell me what to do, Lord, and I'll do it. Just tell me. I'll do it. Man, like that's, that's not what it's about. To, be, to put him first is to get out of the car, walk around to the passenger side, sit down on the passenger side and say, Jesus, where do you want to take my life? Where do you want to take my relationships? Where do you want to take my finances? Where do you want to take my kids? Where do you want to take me and what church I go to? Where do you want to take me where I live? Lord, you are in the driver's seat. I'm not asking you for directions. I am giving you permission to just simply drive. And when we put him first, what, what happens is then he has the, he's in the position then to bless what comes next. And when Israel found the gold that they hadn't given to God and they gave it to God, suddenly the blessings from God began to pour into their life, into their country, and they began to win the other battles that they couldn't win on their own. And so that's why uh, tithing is, is a principle, not, n not, not a commandment like you have to tithe, but it is a principle of blessing and covenant relationship with God. It's a principle of a covenant relationship with God. And, and when I was six years old, seven years old, my parents taught me about this. Um, I was baptized when I was seven. I was saved when I was six. And I was baptized when I was seven. And right away, my parents said, okay, so now 10% of everything that, that, comes in, that comes into you, uh, the proceeds, uh, goes out to God. It goes to God through the local church. And so I began doing this. And Ro and I uh, were tithing before we met. Uh, and then we met. And then in our marriage, we continued tithing. And it'll be, it'll be tested. Let me tell you, just because you put God first at one point in your life doesn't mean that you just set it and forget it. Uh, it, it, it will be tested. And bills will come in. And, and when we moved to Texas, man, we, we had no job. 
we moved to Texas and lived on a farm, uh, a ranch for free because we were helping the ministry, but that's, that's it. Like we, we still had to feed ourselves. I still had $40,000 worth of school debt, Bible college. <laughs> like you're not going to make 40,000 in a year as a pastor, but for some reason they stick you with that kind of debt. It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, you know, I, I mean, I, I had that and then we had a vehicle and you got to pay for gas and insurance and, and everything. And we had no, we had no money and nothing's coming in. And, 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 but whatever came in, we had already first, we had already decided that before, before we pay Fannie Mae, <laughs> before we pay Toyota, before we pay the dealership, before we pay any other source, we are going, God gets the first, God gets Jericho. God gets our first, the firstborn, the first thing produced goes to him. Because we have faith that he can take care of the rest. And one of the, one of the most impactful conversations I've ever had with somebody in City Chapel was, 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 a, was a single mom who met me at Starbucks was like a year and a half ago. And through tears, she was saying God was challenging her to tithe. And I knew she didn't make very much. And I knew she didn't make enough. And God's still challenging her to give him 10% off the top, and, she's, and she said, I didn't say, she said, she said, it's like he's asking me if I can trust him with the rest. And I said, that's exactly what he's doing. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't even want your money. He wants your heart. And the question about tithing first, and this, this, this is why it's not whatever's left over. This is why it's first, because, because when it's first, then you trust, you have to trust for the rest. Just like God had to trust that, that people would respond to the sacrifice of his son and apply the blood of, of his lamb on their doorpost and all of that without any guarantees. In the same way, this is what we do with God. When we bring our tithe, 10%, we, and even offerings to the Lord, we are trusting him. And this is why, I mean, I have it deducted from my bank account um, on the first of the month uh, because it's first. And I, I get paid on the first and the 15th, but, but I, just, I just say this is first. And so it's coming out whether, <laughs> no matter what, no matter what bills come, no matter what tires go flat, no matter what happens, uh, this first belongs to God. And what I've seen is God just bless all of my other battles. God takes care of so many other things. And, 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 and the point is not like, okay, all right, I'm going to tithe so that God will make me rich. This is not how that works. But when you, when, you, when you put God first, you suddenly start experiencing the blessings of God in every, every area of your life. And so today I want to talk to you about one blessing. Uh, I could talk, I mean, I could, I could spend my whole 45 minutes up here just sharing testimonies uh, of our lives together. Just the past 13 years, me and Roe, putting God first and watching him do miracles for us. But I want to share with you the most ridiculous one, which happened most recently um, uh, for, for a couple of reasons. But anyway, um, uh, recently, uh, uh, I actually have a picture for them, for them to put up. This, this, this picture was taken last Sunday. Um, and uh, Sunday after, after Easter, uh, when I pulled up out of my new car, uh, a 1999 Dodge Viper, <laughs> um, RT10, uh, it's, uh, the top totally comes off. You can't see it very well in there, but it's got a peanut butter leather interior. 
Um, I've never had a leather interior, let alone something that was named after, you know, really good tasting food. Uh, anyway, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's got 51,000 miles on it, um, on the, on, on the odometer. It goes uh, zero to 60 in 4.4 seconds. Not that I've tried that, but zero to 110 seconds. It's a V10, eight liter, 450 horsepower, um, old car, 20 years old. Uh, and uh, it's just it's just a beast, um, and and it's also my dream car since I was 12 years old. Okay, 1992, I'm 12 years old. Yes, that's how old I am. And in 1992, the, the Dodge came out with the Dodge Viper, and I had the the, the model diecast model car on the the headboard of my bed. I cut out the picture out of the magazines and put it in my Trapper Keeper in the plastic. You know, some of you don't know anything about that. I'm just saying, we had cassette tapes and everything. It was awesome. And um, uh, it was just, it was, it was my dream car. It was the kind of car, it was for, when it first came out, it was like sixty to $75,000. It's the kind of car that you're never going to own if you're, if you're me. Um, you just, you just, you just, especially if you're going into ministry, you're, you're never going, you're never going to own that kind of car. And, and I was fine with it. That was, it was just, it was just my, just my dream car, just out there kind of, you know, just, just dream. And, 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 and actually, especially if you're me, you're never going to own this car because it's, it's, it's not only, you know, is it like really expensive, but it's also kind of ridiculous. It's kind of a, a ridiculous car. Uh, nobody needs 10 cylinders on a fiberglass body. Uh, this, you know, like it, the engine weighs more than the car. It's ridiculous. You know, there's, there's room for a very tiny person in there, which I kind of qualify. And then like another very, so me and my wife, like that's it. Like no kids. We got to leave the kids. We got to, we got like the kids have to walk wherever we go. Like it's, it's a ridiculous car, you know, it gets the same gas mileage as my F-150, my 2003 F-150. It's a ridiculous car. It's crazy. And, and so, and so not only is it ridiculous, but it's so expensive. I'll never own it because I'm a pastor and we just don't make that much money. It just doesn't work out that way. And I'm fine with that. Right. And so, and plus I'm a pretty practical person. So being married, we've never bought a car for more than like $2,000. I think 2000 is always just cash. And so you get, you know, sort of dented up vehicles with a hundred thousand miles on them, but they drive, you know, a good old Ford Focus. I mean, it goes down the road, you know, it's got a, I don't, it's, I don't even know what it has inside of it. Nobody bothers to lift the hood on those things, you know, unless you're swapping out the battery for the 10th time. Like that's just how it works. And, and, and I've always been, I'm, I'm okay with that. But recently, um, my son's seven years old, my, my, my daughter's 10 years old, and, and they're noticing really cool cars. And so we were saving up for a new car because we're, we're, we're the, our, our old clunkers are getting old, and it's like, man, we're going to need a new one. And so, I, but this time I wanted to save up a little bit more and maybe get kind of a cool car, you know, like a used cool car. Like I've never had a cool car, period. And so it's like, man, it'd be kind of cool like to have a cool used car. And uh, we were, I was sitting in here in the office with, uh, with, 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 uh, Eddie and Peter and I was saying, man, if if I won the lottery, you know, it's like one of those conversations. This is what we do in, in, in church. This is pastoring 101. This is it's our lunch break. We said, I said, man, if I won the lottery, well, one, I guess you have to play the lottery first. But but anyway, you know, it's like if I got a hundred million dollars, like 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 I would, you know, uh, buy a house for my parents. I would uh, I, I would definitely increase Peter and Eddie's salary just from my. I would stop taking salary from the church and we would pay off our house. Um, 
but the one thing I would do like for myself, just kind of fun, crazy, stupid thing, is I'd go find an old Viper, because I don't like the new ones. I'd find one from the 90s, and a Dodge Viper, and I would, I would just buy it. Like, that's, that's what I would do. Like, that's my dream car. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Like, yeah, and so we were talking about it, and I'm like, man, yeah, they were like 70,000 when, 70, when they came out. Like, they got to be more than that now, and that kind of got me thinking. And so I Googled it, and that's when I realized that, that they actually have gone down in price over 20 years, and they're like in the 20s. Like, you know, like, like less than a nice Corolla. And I was like, what? A Dodge Viper is in the, the 20s? And I, I was so blown away by that, which also applies to my sermon because the kingdom of heaven is around the corner. You might think it's really far away, but you, you, you just never Googled it. All you got to do is check it out, man. It is, it is within reach. Come on, somebody. It is within reach. Sometimes stuff is within reach you didn't even think was within, was within reach. It's like, I had no idea. And so I was just shocked by this. And so I went home and told Ro, I'm like, Can you Dodge Viper, like, like, like it's crazy, you know? And, 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 and then I, I called my mom. I was talking to her. I'm like, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I was just looking up the prices of Dodge Vipers. And, and uh, you know, and, 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 and so my mom said, well, you know, if you did want to get your dream car, we would help you every month with a little bit uh, toward the payment. I said, really? Wow, this is crazy. And so uh, that next night, Ro was talking to me. She's like, you know, I'd really like you to have your dream car, honey, if we could swing it. And man, that's a godly wife right there. I just, I just have to tell you right now. No, just kidding. That's nothing to do with godliness. <laughs> that's not godliness. She just, I just got a good one. So um, anyway, if you got a good one, say amen. amen. All right, Jason, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, just, just trying to help you guys out. I'll tee it up for you, you know. Um, but, but anyway, I, you know, and so that kind of got me thinking, I'm like, my goodness, I, we haven't had a car payment, um, being as, as a married couple, never had a car payment. I'm like, man, what kind of car payment would that be? And so you just start walking down that road and start realizing that, that, that man, like I could afford the, and so anyway, that led me to this place, uh, last week where my brother <laughs> drove me six hours to Lake Charles, Louisiana, and I test drove this guy and, uh, it was in it was in his garage next to his Bentley, and I said, uh, you know, are you selling the Bentley for the same price, kind of thing? He's like, no. And so I test drove this thing, and and then Pete couldn't even stay. My brother couldn't even stay because he had to he had to take off to be back here in time for worship practice. So he fought Houston traffic, and came straight back. That's that's a good brother for you. That's a good brother for you. Just gotta say. Um, and then I waited for a few hours of financing. All this stuff went through, and uh, and and I, I I drove it home. And so last Sunday, last Sunday I pulled up to kind of show show everybody the car, and um, just because to me it's a it's a symbol of just God's goodness. Um, because honestly, you know, last year, two years ago, I couldn't even afford a three hundred dollar car payment. You know, so literally just the fact that I can afford a three hundred dollar car payment is God's goodness. I think I'm like, wow. And it's not because the church started paying me anymore. Actually, the church has been paying me the same since we started the church. Um, but it's because our farm people have been God's been sending people to our farm to bring horses to the farm to board the horses, and we don't even advertise. God just kind of just like does stuff. Yeah. And, 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 and I was, and I was, but, 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 but still my practical mind was kind of like wigging out. I'm like, eh, I mean, yeah, I mean, but if I'm going to spend that kind of money, I could get a Corolla, you know, every white 
straight American male knows what a Corolla is. It's going to last forever, you know? I mean, it's not, I'm going to be driving it when I'm 70 years old. You can fit all the kids in it. You never have to do anything to it. It's just, you know, and so I'm, I'm driving to church a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, Lord, like, this is crazy. Like, it's just kind of dumb. I mean, why am I going? Like, if, if I'm going to, like, let's get a Corolla. Like, let's just go. And, and I felt like God was just like, Harry, like, what are you doing? What are you saying? And I said, well, Lord, you know, it's just not practical. And besides, I mean, being a pastor, I know a lot of people who are in need, who they could use $300 a month for a car payment. And, I, you know, I don't need this car. And God's like, well, of course, nobody needs a Dodge Viper. That's stupid. <laughs> nobody needs. Bill Gates doesn't need a Dodge. Nobody needs a Dodge Viper. It's a dumb vehicle. It's ridiculous. He said, but, but, but why is it, Harry, you're driving to church, you're getting ready to stand up in front of people and tell other people about how good I am and how I want to bless them, and yet when it comes to blessing you, what does it say, Harry, about your theology about me? And so I began thinking about many Christmases, but just pick one, this past Christmas Eve. The Eve before Christmas Eve, we were down in San Marcos, the outlet mall, and uh, we were doing some last minute shopping. Actually, not last minute. We still had multiple hours, so we were good. And, and Ro took Matt and our, our daughter, nine-year-old daughter, into the store, and she saw this four-foot-tall was it a snow leopard? Is that was a stuffed animal snow leopard? Anyway, she's big time into like leopards. And is this $60 stuffed animal, four foot tall snow leopard. And my nine-year-old daughter just fell in love. It's like as big as her, you know? And, and she just fell in love with it. And so my, Ro sends me a picture of it. And she, I think she said something about, isn't this ridiculous or crazy or something like that? And I was like, yeah, four foot, who needs a four foot tall snow leopard stuffed animal? That's ridiculous. And so, you know, we're, we, we, got, we get, have a lot of things to get together. We had a survey us here Christmas Eve and so I'm planning stuff and but the night before I said babe I'd like to go get the snow leopard for 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 Madden and and Roe is the the budget keeper of our Christmas budget because I would blow it if it were up to me and she says no we don't have any more money for Christmas so we're done and, and so I went into my sock drawer and I found Every man, every dad has a sock drawer. I don't know why this is, but we always keep money in there. And so I had cash from last year's Christmas in my, I had $60, three $20 bills. And I said, I, uh, this is out of budget, but I got 60 bucks in my, in my sock drawer. I'm driving, so, and so Christmas Eve, I, I take time out, I drive down there, I, I'm like the last one there, I go out of the store with this giant snow leopard, it's a good thing I didn't have the Viper for that, because it would not fit in the, and I shove it in the back of my trusty Ford Focus, and close the door, and I'm driving up from San Marcos, and the whole way, I'm just smiling, Right? How many parents we got here that you're like, oh, man, I can't believe I had to buy this for my kid. No, like I'm smiling because I spent my money for my kid on a ridiculous present. It's completely ridiculous. You know, nobody needs a four foot tall snow leopard stuffed animal. But I just wanted to do it for Madden because I had it in my sock drawer. And God's like, how come if, well, to quote Jesus, if you be an evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father give the best gift, the Holy Spirit, and if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other ridiculous things? How much more does he want to bless you? What does it say about your theology when you believe God's just the rule keeper who just wants to make sure that you're in line? 
And which is why I think sometimes tithing has been, has been abused because people come to God from a viewpoint of he's a rule keeper. And this is one of those rules, so everybody, darn it, fulfill the rule so that he doesn't squash you. But what if, like, what if he wants to bless you? What if he wants to drive down to San Marcos and get something ridiculous for you? And what if he's smiling all the way to your house? What if he can't wait for you to open it? What if, like, like that's ridiculous. Nobody needs wheels that shiny. They don't need to be that shiny to go down the road. Like, like, what if, like, what if God, like, th this is something God spoke to me about last year. He said, he said, Harry, there are things in your heart that you're not, you're not looking at because you don't know how to deal with it. There are disappointments in your heart that you're, you're ignoring because you don't know what to do with it. And there are dreams in your heart that you're ignoring because you don't know what to do with it. And what was weird, for the past four years since we started City Chapel, honest to God, like five di on five different occasions, God's spoken to me. And just randomly, I, he, he speaks, I, I don't know if you have this kind of relationship with God, but the Bible says pray without ceasing, which means you don't stop. You don't have just have a quiet time in the morning and then, all right, I'm done. No, like I carry on a conversation with him throughout the day. And so it's five different times. I've been driving along in Buda or Austin or whatever, and there'll be this car in front of me. And God will say to me, Harry, would you like a car like that? Just randomly. It's weird. And, and, and I know when I say that, it sounds weird, and I'm a prosperity preacher, and I'm, I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I'm just, it's this, this is, God just asked me these questions. And every time I've been like, yeah. Like, who wouldn't want a car like that? Yes, I would, that, that would be awesome if you want to give me that. That would be sweet. But sort of in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, but like, it's not a Dodge Viper, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a cool car, but it's, it's a Maserati, but it's not, you know, a Dodge I, I, You know, it's, it's just, just crazy. Just, I, I'm like, and so finally, it was like four months ago. Uh, you know, it was in December. I, this car pulled out in front of me. I'm like, wow, that's a nice car. I forget what it was. And God was like, would you like a car like that? And finally, I was like, Lord, we, how, about, how about you stop asking me that question? That's a dumb question. Because who cares if I want a car like that? I'm never going to have a car like that. So I said, why are you asking me this? And I don't know if you ever felt God, but just kind of go like, eh, I was just wondering. <laughs> like, this is the relationship I have with God. He, he, he's just kind of like, I was just checking. And I'm like, you are weird. Let's get back to this. The, the, like, I got, I got people in the church that need help. I, I, got, I got this marriage over here that's falling apart and this, this, this couple that I'm counseling. I got like real stuff, Lord, and you're talking about cars. <laughs> like, for real? Like, no, we got like, why don't you give me some great revelation for Sunday so I can preach an awesome sermon? How about, how about, how about we do that, Lord? Would that be okay with you? You know, like I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about important stuff. And Jesus, he's off talking about cars. But it, 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 so Sunday, uh, David, David and Crystal, David helped me take the top off of, of the car. And she looks great topless, by the way. <laughs> the car. Always wanted to say that in church. Always want to say that in church. The car looks great topless. So we took the top off and uh, just got in it. And um, <laughs> I took Ebo, our guest speaker, to Radio Coffee got some coffee, uh, and then dropped him off at the airport. And, well, next to the airport is 45, which is a pretty cool road when you have a V10 eight-liter engine. And so I, I pull on to the top saw, and I get going, let's say 85 miles. Now, 85 is a good number. And I'm, I'm flying, and it doesn't even feel like I'm doing anything. 
Like it just, you could just, you could just keep going. And the wind is just shoo, like at some point it like starts taking your breath away a little bit. And I'm like, wow, this is like, wow. And, um, and the song started going through my head and this is, oh, I don't know why it just popped into my head. Um, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so, you know, like you, you probably learned that as a kid. And I thought, I thought that that song doesn't apply to me anymore. It used to apply to me. When I was six, seven years old, that song made a lot of sense. Right? Because John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I read it and I believed it. Absolutely. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. I'm putting my faith in the Bible. And that's a good thing. If you're there, by all means, put your faith in the Bible. But I just came from two awesome church services where 29 people gave their lives to Christ and amazing leaders served like crazy, whether it was in the, the, the parking lot or the tech table or the, the, the kids minute. I mean, all these people in this church that was, didn't even exist four years ago. It was just, it was just a weird dream in my heart. And so it's like, I just came from like this dream church and I have this dream wife, and I have these dream kids. I have my dream job, literally my dream job. This is what I've been dreaming about since I was 12, by the way. And now I'm driving in my dream car, and I realized I can no longer say, Jesus loves me this, I know, because the Bible told me so. I know he loves me because my life has told me so. My life preaches to me. My marriage preaches to me. My kids preach to me. My house preaches to me. My church preaches to me. My, my car is talking to me. <laughs> and the ability to make a payment is talking to me. Because scripture says that it's God who gives us the ability to make wealth and to do those things. And, and so it's like, what, what kind of God doesn't just want me to keep rules so that he'll be happy? But he just, he just loves me and wants to bless me with stuff far greater than I deserve, far greater than I even would do for myself. I mean, literally, I won the lottery. I didn't win the lottery, but I basically won the lottery. I'm driving the same car I would win if I, I would if I had $300 million in the bank. And, and I'm married to the same person I would be married to if I had $300 million in the bank. And I, and I have the same kids I would have if I had three. And I, and I have the same job in the same church. I wouldn't go take over Robert Morris's church. Because <laughs> I, I already have, I'm living this, this life. And, 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 it, and it just dawned on me that all of this comes out of this intimacy I have with Christ. In the kingdom, I, had, I posted this picture on Facebook and somebody said, would you pray for me? I, I would like a Harley. <laughs> and I thought, eh. I didn't get this because I asked for it. I never asked for it. I just got this because my dad just loves me and he owns everything. Which brings me to the first fruits. I spent way too much time on the firstborn, the first thing we, we, we produce. But in Proverbs 3, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. How's that for a scripture? Are you, are you doing that? 
Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. So that, this is why God wants you to honor him with your possessions, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, God wants to bless you. But this is how, this is how he's able to bless. See, I've always wondered, uh, Cain and Abel, uh, you remember the, the first uh, sort of offerings that were ever offered in scriptures. Two guys, two brothers named Cain and Abel. Cain's the older and Abel is the younger. And scripture tells us that, that Cain's Abel was rejected by God. Can you imagine that? Somebody brings something to God and God's like, no. Like, you come to church, you start singing, God's like, Psh, shh. You give something to offering, God's like, just take it back. I don't want that. Like, what in the world? And it's, and it's been one of those theological debates of why. Why, oh why, did God reject Cain's offering and accept Abel's? Because it's so weird. It's so strange to us. And um, if, you're, if, if, if you read in the original language in the Hebrew, it's still pretty strange. Uh, but if you read in the Septuagint, it's kind of interesting. The Septuagint is the Hebrew trans, translation um, into Greek which we have an older version of the Septuagint uh, of an original manuscript than we have of the Hebrew uh, manuscripts. And so some people feel that the Septuagint is more reliable than the Hebrew. I don't really feel that, but I, I do feel it's interesting to read it. Uh, and, in, and, in the, and in the Greek, this, in the, 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 the Septuagint, it says, God spoke to Cain and he said, um, he said, why are you downcast? He said, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Well, in the Septuagint, it says, if you bring the right amount, will you not be accepted? So it's like, a, it's like an amount thing, uh, could be. But I think probably the clearest reason is really just found in English. Um, if, if we go to that, if we go to Genesis chapter four, I just wanna show you real quickly the difference between, see, because if, 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 if blessing comes out of intimacy and if tithing is about a relationship with God, in a position that we put him in in our life, it's important to know that not all gifts are created equal. If in verse three of chapter four, it says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice the, the words there, in the process of time. Uh, I think the King James says it came to pass. It just, just happened. No specific time, just randomly. Cain brought a, an offering, like just something. He brought something to the Lord from the fruit of the ground because that's what he was. He was a farmer. Well, Abel also brought of the firstborn, you see that, of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected or received Abel's offering, but he did not respect or receive Cain and his offering. The difference is right there. Abel brought the first. Cain brought what he wanted, when he wanted, and how much he wanted. Abel brought the firstborn from his flock. You think about this. This is, this is, pretty, this is pretty brutal. If you're growing up in this society and God says, all right, the firstborn lamb has to be killed. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you, the first time... You know, I have a seven-year-old son. Well, they love animals. Uh, the first time little, I don't know, the sheep, Betty. Do you, do you name sheep? I don't know. Betty the sheep has her first little little lamb. 
Micah comes running in. Uh, Betty's having a lamb. All right, it's coming. It's finally coming. Our first one. Awesome. And the whole family gathers around. Dad walks out of the living room, grabs a knife on the way. And they all watch the little lambs pop out. Oh, look at it. Look cute. He's, oh, look, he's standing up. He's starting to, starting to drink some milk. Good job, little buddy. And dad walks up, grabs the lamb by the feet and slits its throat. <laughs> and that little boy's thinking, I don't know what that lamb did, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> and this, this, this happens all over the farm. Every time a clean animal has their first baby, dad gets violent happy with a knife trigger happy with and I don't know how that works but he's slitting throats just killing animals kids are kind of like it's kind of weird anyway kids grow up they go to college come back home and uh, they decide to help dad in the farming business and so dad says, hey, son, you're real good with numbers. How about you, how about you look at the books? Help me, out, help me out with the books and let's, let's get this thing going. And so son's looking over the books and, and he notices, man, these, <laughs> these animals keep dying. And so he calls his dad in. Dad, uh, uh, we got a problem here. Uh, you, you don't have that knife with you, do you? <laughs> okay, good. Uh, we... we <laughs> I don't know how to say this, Dad. I mean, we all, we, we all have faults. We all have problems. But, like, um, you keep killing animals. <laughs> and we're ranchers, Dad. We got, we got cattle. We got sheep. We got goats. We got fly. We, you killed 72 animals last year for no good reason. Just, just killed them. And, uh, you know, why do you do that? God anticipated this in Exodus chapter 13. If we go to verse 14 and 15, God says, uh, in verse 14, uh, God, God tells his people what to tell their kids when they look at this ridicu ridiculous behavior. He says, in the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? This is what you're to say to him. With a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. And go on to verse 15. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn, there's that word again, of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord, the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. In other words, God said, look, when your son looks at you all confused and says, we're losing money here. Why are we doing this? I want you to take him aside. And I want you to say, son, there's something about my family, our family, that you may not know. And the truth is, we weren't always ranchers. We, we didn't own any animals, actually. All this land, we didn't own nothing. In fact, we were slaves in this place called Egypt. But God, <laughs> with a mighty hand, redeemed us, saved us. And so, 
I gladly sacrifice the first of all of my increase to him. And so that's, that's what it means to bring the first fruit, is to recognize that God actually is responsible for all the fruit, that without him we have nothing. And there was a time in our lives when we had nothing. On the first day with the Viper, I got it on Thursday night, and then um, Friday morning is my day off. It's family fun day. And so the kids got up early and saw the Viper down in the, in the driveway, and they got all excited, and Micah, my seven-year-old, got super excited. And so I had to take them each on a date night, or a date day, date morning, actually. They wanted to go right then. And uh, we always go on a date thing on Friday anyway to Starbucks, but normally both of them come, but this time with only one seat. So we had to take turns. And so I took Micah first. Uh, he was so pumped. We got out on our road, went zero to 60 really fast. And his eyes were just like, whoa. And he's talking the whole time. Micah, when he's excited, he talks and it's just stream of consciousness. And he's just talking. And he's like, dad, it's like a, we could be spies in this car, you know? I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, it's really fast and it's really fast. And but that's, that's, it's the kind of car that makes you feel sort of like yourself, just a cooler version of yourself. And so I understand what he means. Like we could be spies, dad. And like, okay, we can pretend like we're spies, whatever. And so we go to Starbucks and of course we park like really far away uh, from the main parking. So you don't want people opening doors and stuff. And um, I'm sure when, 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 when I get my first ding on it, I'm sure I'll probably park where everybody else parks. But for now, I'm parking kind of, and we're walking, and Mike is just talking the whole time because we had to cut through the, uh, the, the drive-through line. And Mike is like, man, I bet those people don't know that we own a Viper. And, and uh, he's, just, he's just thinking, because in his mind, we're like famous, you know, because we own this car, which is not even that expensive. But anyway, uh, there's more expensive cars in the drive-through. And I'm like, actually, guy, that guy, that guy, that infinity right there. And, and I'm talking to him about that. But he's like, he's thinking about how they're thinking when they're looking at us, you know. And um, so we walk back out and he notices that again. And, and uh, we, 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 we get in, we buckle up. And, and I said, you know, I'm just smiling. And I said, because that to me is actually more fun, watching my kids enjoy it. Like that's even more rewarding for me. And I said, yeah, I just smiled. I said, this it's really an awesome thing. This is a fun car and I'm going to enjoy it for as long as, as long as I get to drive it. And he, he stopped and he said, dad, I thought we bought it. I thought, I thought we owned it. What do you mean as long as you get to drive it? And, and I thought about uh, this passage. I thought about other passages of scripture and I said, well, you know, there's something I need to tell you about our family. We're not self-made people. We're not, dad didn't get this car. Dad's not smart enough to, to do that. In fact, dad, there was a time when dad was just lost in sin and selfishness and religiousness. But God, with a mighty hand, I didn't use those exact words, but he reached down and saved me. He reached down and, and, and redeemed me. And so I gladly, I, I told him, I said, when I got in the car on Interstate 10 and drove the five hours back, the first thing I did was pray. And he said, and you thank God for the car, right, Dad? And I said, I did. I said, but then I, I gave it back to God. 
because, you know, what am I going to do with a Dodge Viper? It's he, it's his. And if he wants us to give it away to somebody, we'll give it away. If he wants us to sell it, we'll sell it. If he wants us to, it doesn't, it's, it's his. I gladly give him the first, the best of everything that I have, including my Viper, including my house, including my wife, including my kids, things that are much more important than Vipers. I've already given, you know, I've already given Micah. Micah, I've already given you to him. So if he wants to take you at any given moment, he can. Because I wouldn't even have you if it wasn't for him. I wouldn't have any of this. I wouldn't have a church. I wouldn't have these people that come worship with us and serve and bless the community. We wouldn't be feeding people. We wouldn't be, there'd be no pantry. There'd be no keep kids fed. There'd be none, none of that is possible without him. And so I just gladly give to him. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a minute? I, I don't know what, what the Lord is speaking to you about. And we're not going to take up an offering either <laughs> because it's not about that. We already did that. We're already done with that. But it's, it's literally, it's about your heart. Is God first in your life? And honestly, technically, if he's not first, he's not in your life. So maybe a better question is, have you welcomed the first, the one who is first? Have you welcomed the king of the kingdom into your heart? Have you turned over the keys to your house to him? turned over the keys to your Corolla to him or Viper or whatever it is? Have you turned over the keys to your marriage to him? Have you given your kids to him? Does he have, does he have what he deserves? Does he have what he is? That's why scripture often says in Malachi says, bring the tithes into the storehouse. We don't give the tithes, we bring it because it's already his. You can't give what's not yours. You can put it in the correct account, you can bring it. And for some of us, literally making a decision to tithe may be what God's calling us to do. If you've never done that before, I, I challenge you to test God in this and try and see that he's faithful. Literally 10% off of the increase, which is uh, the profit after, uh, after the expenses of the business that you work in or the taxes that you pay or whatever. It's, it's ten, taking 10%. And before we do anything else with it, we dedicate it to the Lord. I know some people that actually do it the very moment that it comes into their hand. You can do that online. I know people that believe they ought to do that, and that's cool. Uh, for me, it's just the first of the month. But that literally may be what God's calling you to do. Not pressuring you to do. <laughs> Beckoning you to do. And as we do that, he blesses every other part. So Father, I pray that you'd speak to each one of us, whether it's about finances or maybe it's about our cars, maybe it's about our homes. Maybe, maybe we're holding too tightly to some of these things that you've given us. May we give them back to you. May we put them back in your hands so that our kids will have an example of generous people so that our kids will know what it is to grow up with parents that aren't controlled and consumed by what they own, always afraid of losing it or denting it or 
but I've already lost it. <laughs> I've already given it away. We're just stewards. We just get to manage God's stuff. And it's such a joy that while we manage it, you let us enjoy and have fun and have laughter, have Christmas and birthday parties. You're such a good dad. You love us. You want the best for us. And so we trust you. Some of us just need to get to that place where we trust God. We trust the goodness of God. We've grown up with the the rule keeperness of God, but we need to just trust the goodness of God. Just need to let let Him answer both our dreams and our disappointments. Let Him speak into both of those things and fulfill whichever one He wants to. So Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do in our lives as we get closer and more intimate with you comes out of this intimacy, what kind of gifts, what kind of pleasure you pour out on us as we follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.